Stand Up For The Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up For The Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Good morning, friends, brothers, sisters, the remnant. Uh, We appreciate you guys tuning in today. And if I were to give you a title for today's podcast, it may change by the end of it when we get done talking, but it would be something like this. Debates and addictions and idolatry. Oh, my. And we're going to get into many issues today. Um, So it's so important that I just want to make sure that we try our best to be sensitive to where God wants to go and to the Holy Spirit. So, Father in heaven, lead us today. Please give us wisdom, Lord. Thank you, first of all, God, for saving us. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace in our lives. You've given us so much to be thankful for, and you've given us so much, and we recognize that everything good comes from you, even trials and suffering and temptations. And tribulation is under your providence and under your sovereignty. And it strengthens our faith. It causes us sometimes to drop to our knees, other times to turn back to you. And we pray for anyone listening today that needs to turn back to you, who may be struggling with some of the issues we'll talk about today. Please work in their hearts, O God. Please remind them that they are not alone Please encourage them to talk to someone about what they're dealing with and not be alone. Isolation is killing a lot of people, Lord, and I mean that, Father, literally in this nation. Please give us as church leaders and ministry leaders wisdom on how we can reach out to people who are scared, confused, maybe living in fear over a virus or whatever else, the presidential election coming up. Oh, God, we surrender to you. We recognize, Lord, that you establish kings and you take down kings. And you put people in charge, and you, uh, you have ordained civil government, and you put governing authorities in place. Father, help us, God, get back to the truth of Jesus Christ, and help us to be about the gospel and your business of building the body of believers. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, we've got a friend in studio today from Ephesians 5 ministry. You've been hearing him on the radio for the last couple of weeks, talking about an event coming up in, actually, it starts this Saturday. Um, we've got a lot to talk about before we get to this, but I want to bring in uh, Josh Paris real quick and just mention what you guys are doing, uh, because we are going to talk a little bit about some commentary on the presidential debates. We um, did a rebroadcast yesterday on Stand Up For The Truth. We had a very important podcast with Jan Markell, of Olive Tree Views and Olive Tree Ministries, Understanding the Times Radio. We re-aired that yesterday, a very important podcast, which is on our Facebook page, which none of you probably have seen yet. So if you go to the Facebook directly to Stand Up For The Truth, put it in your search on Facebook. That's one of the only ways you will get to our Facebook page, is go in the search, type in Stand Up Wisconsin or Stand Up For The Truth Jan Markell's podcast yesterday is posted there. That's what aired yesterday. So we didn't get a chance to talk about what happened Tuesday night in the, in the debates between Biden and, and Trump. And we do want to give some sort of a Christian commentary on that, looking at it from a biblical worldview. And there were some takeaways that I did not see that night because I was so frustrated by the circus. But Josh Paris, uh, victory over sexual idolatry. 
It's a study coming up, and it starts Saturday. First of all, welcome back to Stand Up For The Truth, brother. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Uh, can you turn his mic up just a little bit, Crash? Thank you, sir. Um, find biblical victory over pornography, lust, and adultery. It's a 15-week class slash study. And Ephesians 5 ministry is E-P-H, the number 5, min, M-I-N, dot com. So briefly, we're going to get into this later, next segment, um, but briefly, just share a little bit about it. Absolutely. So we have um, a, a 15-week study where we walk alongside men. We use curriculum from Pure Life Ministry. And, Excellent. Um, and we walk alongside them to show them how Christ has given us victory over sexual sin and how they can come out of the darkness of that sin and into the light of Christ. And um, it's, it's a, and it, so it starts the Saturday, but it also, we allow people to register up until the second week. Okay. So you don't have to jump in right away this Saturday if you're trying to decide what this is all about, whether you need it or not, and find out about Josh and his, you know, his doctrine and everything else. So you can go to EPH, Ephesians 5 men, EPH 5 min.com if you're in the uh, northeast wisconsin area and so if you miss this saturday you can still register next week is that what i heard you say correct okay josh we will talk a lot more about that in fact i've got a book that i i have uh, just came in the mail in the last couple weeks on hope um during struggles with addiction so we're going to talk about that but right now i didn't get a chance to share my thoughts and talk to crash actually he's in studio today because we have a lot of uh, just ideas and thoughts on what the heck went on with that debate Tuesday night. My first take was it was so unpresidential, so disappointing, and I'm going here. These are the two leaders <laughs> that could be, well, God willing, not Joe Biden, and you know what I mean by that, meaning the worldview and the globalism, secularism, um, putting the environment above people and population control and pushing all this other stuff abortion on demand and everything else. You know what I mean when I say I hope we don't have a Biden, Pelosi, Schumer, Harris, AOC presidency, because those are just radicals that want to take down this country. And I stand by that. Yes, that's my opinion, but I stand by that. But I posted on my Facebook that night, and I should have waited because Roseanne and I got into a disagreement. She got really fiery. Why did you do that? And then one of my friends, a, guy, a wonderful friend, a man, a brother in Christ, said, what are you bashing Trump for? Well, here's what I shared on my Facebook. I said, who won the debate? This is the night of. I said, it was embarrassing. What a circus. And I said, Trump lost, but Biden didn't win. He lacked policy. Trump acted like a child. Both were interrupting each other. And I said, Americans lost tonight. Did you watch it? Yes, the whole I did. thing? Yeah, most of it. I walked away a few times and then I came mm, back. Maybe a minute and I went, this is stupid. Did, so and you didn't watch the whole thing? I did not watch it. Okay. I went, this is dumb. You're one of the smart people. But anyway, what, one thing that, that I perceive, and this is what I'm thinking, I know where I stand. Most of the people in my life, I, I know where they stand. Um, and and not, not as far as politics. I'm talking about Christian worldview, voting biblical values and now there's some apparently some interpretation that's up for grabs in the church as far as what biblical values are which is astounding to me but i know a lot of people are watching this they did not see what trump was doing as much as you didn't like the method which i didn't he was probably advised mm -hmm. to be a bucking bronco just attack biden get biden to flub interrupt get try to throw biden off his game he was coached 
to be soft and gentle and look into the camera, avoid Trump, look into the camera. Well, he got away with not answering questions directly. He got away with a lot, Joe Biden did, and thanks to Chris Wallace. My, we'll talk about that in a minute. But what I understand is they got Biden to say some things that if you are— understand this is a base election, right? You're just trying to rally the bases. You're not going to get the few, very few, extremely few independent or undecided voters. If you're undecided at this point, please don't even vote. You know, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry. Which is different from previous elections where there was, yes. <clears throat> you know, you had your 10 to 20 percent of undecided. Yes. When there were two, you know, actually possible. But this is the, the contrast is so stark. So before I share some more thoughts and read a few things, I thought, man, strategy. Wow. Um, Crash, what, what do you think about clips you've seen? I know you didn't watch the debate. So again, now I was a debater in high school. So there's a right way to debate and there's a wrong way to debate. And uh, how many debates have we watched like with uh, Dr. Craig and just real professional debates? Right, yeah. Here's your time. Here's your time. And so uh, just from the clips, everybody that I know said the whole thing was was terrible. And here's the problem. They both were childish. They both yep. were. Yep. Oh, yeah. We'll get into that in a minute. Here's the problem with that. You don't when when there's so much theatrics and the and there's so much chaos going on. I, I called it a circus. Rightly so, I think. You miss people. The average American, I know where I stand, and I'm going to vote for Trump. I know where I stand. I don't respect his character and his language at times. I It offends me. But I'm looking at policy. I'm looking at, from a biblical standpoint, all the things that he has done since he's been in office. It's been amazing. We can't even, don't have time to talk about it all. If you're talking about the importance of Israel, if you're talking about the importance of life in the womb, uh, his achievements, his pro-life. He's, he's the most pro-life president in our history. Friends, are you pro-life? All right, let's try to move away from personality and look at platform then. How about religious liberty? There is going to be a time if, if the Equality Act, which is in the, I believe, the Senate, if that gets passed, if Biden is elected, I could be in jail and you could too if you dare quote a scripture about homosexuality. Do you understand what could happen if the radicals take over the White House? So religious freedom is a big issue. Israel, judicial appointments. Trump has appointed hundreds of federal judges. Most of them hopefully are conservative and will judge accordingly, according to the Constitution. I don't want them to take my side I, I want them to abide by the Constitution of the United States. Education, trade, economy, the rule of law. Do you want chaos in our streets? Do you want the media looking at buildings burning and, and police officers getting attacked and call that a peaceful protest? Is that the kind of America you want? I don't think so. So we want the rule of law. We want you know tax cuts and all these other things. So there's so many things to focus on instead of personality. Not to say we shouldn't elect Christians and men of character. That should be one of the top things for Christians. Let's elect men of God. There's not many, I would think, in Congress today. So let's elect them. So let me just share a couple thoughts uh, that came across my email this morning. Uh, first of all, a lot of thoughts on how Chris Wallace of Fox News tried to host the event, and the, the effective word is tried. He was a failure. He lost control of the format. I don't think it was a good format to begin with to try to limit them to a minute or two, and then they couldn't respond to each other without getting anyway. Um, Wallace definitely took sides, and he didn't give 
Biden the same type of questions or approach he gave Trump. And I don't think I hope most people saw through that. Um, The debate was a fast frame microcosm of the past four years. That debate, understand who watched it, that was a snapshot of the last four years in America. Josh, I want to get your thoughts on this. Do you realize that this is the first time in American history in 2016 that there was not a peaceful transfer of power in the presidency after an election? The first time in 2016 there wasn't a peaceful transfer of power. They've been in revolt. They've been attacking the president. They already immediately tried to impeach him. They were doing all these things and, and used millions and millions of taxpayer dollars for years, and they're constant. They're now they're at the point where they're lying mm-hmm. about what the president has done or said, and the media is is not saying anything about this. This is they're complicit in this. Mm-hmm. This is a problem. Do you have any concerns about that? Absolutely. I think when you look at um, well, you look at the Supreme Court decision of of the justice that you mean the nomination, the nomination, mm-hmm. and you look at the process, and things that were less blatant have now become more blatant. So in we look at impeachment as an example that you just gave, where they are saying now that they will use every, any arrow in their quiver, including impeachment, because you want to, his constitutional duty is to put forth a nomination for the Supreme Court. Yes, and that's what presidents do. And even, I'll quote their icon and hero, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, I'll quote her. You know, she even said, that a president doesn't stop being a president in his third year and has a responsibility to nominate Supreme Court justices. Ruth Bader Ginsburg, RBG, the icon, the hero, the idol, she said that. So if there are, any, if there are a few uh, liberals, progressives, or Democrats listening to this podcast, you have to acknowledge that, that Ruth Bader Ginsburg even said that, yeah, and we should— The president should nominate. And, of course, that was during the context of the Obama years. But they're hypocritical. Anybody on the left is hypocritical if they wouldn't say the same thing now. And President Trump in the uh, debate made a very good point. He said, what do you think the left would do? Do you think the Democrats would nominate someone immediately as soon as they could if they were in power? Of course they would. So going on uh, talking about this, um, we forget, and in the heat of it, I didn't keep score, but it was something like, Chris Wallace interrupted Donald Trump 72 times. He interrupted Joe Biden 15 times. Now, admittedly, Trump was more of the the agitator and trying to. But do you think that's even remotely fair? Uh, Kras, just your thoughts on that. Inter- the, uh, the moderator interrupted. No, and, uh, I, I have to tell you, I did not watch it because I thought this is going to be insane. You were saying something about this. Uh, why do people watch debates? I'm not sure. People don't watch the debates. Well, hopefully, they go like, they get I'm information. Not sure. <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I'm. So, I don't know. Let's see how these two gentlemen can act together. So, I mean, how did you expect that to go? Uh, well, I thought there would be more content, more policy talked about. I thought there would be more substance, a little more. Why did you think that? Because this is the first time America had the chance to see these two men talk about their ideas and their platforms and where they want to take the country. Trump has a track record. Biden, if you go back to the Obama administration, he's got a track record as well. But it was more about other things. Josh, you had a thought? Well, I had to look at, I just had to give a heart check to myself. Why did I tune in? Right. It was for entertainment. And a lot of people did. That was it for me because I, 
Donald Trump, I thought, was going to wipe the floor with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had the opportunity, Crash. Let me and, be clear. I really believe he could have. Uh, it, and I was at I was at Piggly Wiggly in Kalkana, and I heard t- some two older ladies going, we're having a party tonight to watch this. Popcorn. Popcorn and everything. <laughs> they thought this is going to be yeah. fun. Yeah. And I just turned. I did. I, uh, I, I took my son. I said, let's go, go, go do something. I don't want to watch this. Well, a lot of people did the same thing. I walked away after the first five minutes, and my wife, she's into this. She really gets stirred up by politics. And I walked away. I said, you know what? I don't think anything's going to be accomplished. But I was wrong. And I was wrong. I'm admitting I was wrong in that first post I put up on my Facebook. I don't think Trump lost. Here's what I think happened. I think we, we know f- close people in our area, Christian friends, who were turned off by his approach, they're turned off by his language, they're turned off by his character and maybe his arrogance or whatever. And those aren't appealing things to me. And so I understand why my, some of my Christian friends saying, one of them even said, I, I, th- I think this makes me want to vote third party. I understand. These are my Christian friends who are just looking at character. And you cannot ignore biblical values and policy and what, what the track record we have. So what did Joe Biden do? Biden called the president a clown, a racist, a fool, a liar many times. He also said, will you just shut up, man? This is Joe Biden. Keep yapping. He said keep yapping. Speaking to the president of the United States. So all of you who are saying it was only Trump who was being caustic, listen to those words. If you have to listen to it again, and I'm not defending Trump. I wish you would have interrupted a, a, at least 10 less times or more than he did. But listen, what he, what he got Biden to do was fascinating. Biden touted the benefits of the Green New Deal, which is a radical anti-human life policy, but pro-environmental policy. And he then said, Biden said he didn't support it. Biden, he made Biden contradict himself. This, this was brilliant to me, and I think that was planned by this, the Trump team. Biden contradicted himself a lot. You know, admittedly, Trump came in hot. We only have two minutes left in this segment, so I'll get this out. From the onset, he refused to allow Biden's lies and falsehoods. He went about correcting him, Biden, in real time because Chris Wallace wasn't going to do it. And there was a lot to correct. Biden flat out lied. And, of course, the media covers for him constantly. So Biden actually said that Antifa was not an organization, but rather an idea. Well, tell that to the homeowners and business people who, are, who have lost their businesses in more than a dozen U.S. cities and who have nothing now, Portland, Seattle, New York, other places. Um, finally, to wrap this up, Chris Wallace, I used to want to be a journalist. This was 20 years ago. As a representative of the news media, he showed that the media is part of the problem America faces in this country. The content of his questions, the way they were asked in the debate to each candidate showed implicit bias. At times, Wallace even got into a debate with Trump on the issues, not whether Trump should be allowed you know, to challenge Biden. But the takeaway, it was hard to watch. It indicates the state of our nation. And it didn't change my mind. I don't think it changed your mind if you're listening right now. So what's the result? We've got to rally the remnant, get the base solidified on biblical values. That means Christians, we've got to encourage them to vote. We'll be talking about that a whole lot more in the next month. We'll continue 
in just a minute on Stand Up For The Truth. Don't go anywhere. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. Okay, we do have a guest in studio today, Josh Paris of Ephesians 5 Ministry. We are going to be talking about an event coming up and talking about just the ideas of addictions, idolatry, sexual identity, all these different things we'll be talking about in a few minutes. Pornography, lust, adultery. Uh, There's a 15-week class, a study starting Saturday. Is this just for men? It is. Okay. Okay, and, um, and, and go I, ahead. One thing I'd like to say about, you know, we say class and study. It makes it sound very sterile from the standpoint. Um, it is, it's a group of men, and, we, and I think it's also important, as Crash and I have talked through this, a lot of guys think that we're going to come and we're going to talk about their, um, their sexual issues, right? We deal with those on a one-on-one discipleship basis, and our concept is to go through this and focus in on who God is and how he created us and how we have this sin in our life, and how do we deal with this sin, and how do we walk out of it, right? Yep, and so yep. I think that's important for people to know as they're, as they're listening, and, and hopefully the Holy Spirit will work on some men's hearts that, um, you know, we believe that it's a combination of classroom study, but it's really to get men back into the Word, um, you know, realizing who God is and how He created us, and realizing our place in that, and then to, to enter into a discipleship relationship with another man or, or men mm-hmm. to submit to them, to help them bring you into that relationship where God wants you. Josh, I'm thankful you're doing this because a lot of churches are afraid to tackle the subject. And as you mentioned before we got on the air, uh, there is some hesitancy for a church to send people to an outside ministry mm-hmm. like yours or any other ministry that might be really good doing God's work. Um, there's challenges to the church accepting this and working. There is, and I had to work through my own because um, that can turn into bitterness, which is sin, right? Mm, amen. And so I had my own ideas when I started the ministry and realized really quickly that I needed to let God move and let God work because when I first started, I thought, you know what, this is going to be a parachurch ministry. Churches don't want to talk about this, but you know, there's, there's now going to be a, a mouthpiece for this in the area, right? that they can send men who are who need to be broken over their sexual sin Amen. and deal with it. And it, and it just it came to a realization that it's about the one guy, one man, the one soul that God entrusts in our care. And that's uh, one of my guys who disciples me. His name's Bill. I have two guys, Bill and Randy, that disciple me. And actually, that's part of the ministry is they've both come on board as volunteers. Mm. Um, one is the head of men's discipleship, Randy. And Bill has come on board as our shepherd leader, and to 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 really be the hands and feet, and to to get into that um, individual relationship with those men. Um, Crash, you you and I have talked about a, a lot of good ministries out there, a lot of good people trying to do God's work, but the fact that some some churches just aren't. <laughs> I'm going to understate this: some churches aren't open or not really welcoming to some ministries that are really trying to disciple and do the things that the church either has not done a good job of or is maybe has been unwilling to do. What are your thoughts? I, I, it is sad because um, I think Josh has a little bit more grace than I do because I've been talking to uh, men's uh, ministries about when they're going about, we're t- talking about these kind of series. And before I knew about um, uh, Pure Life Ministries, there's other ones out there that I've said, what about the Conquer series or, or something, just something. And it's like, well, 
how do I invite somebody to this? Hey, you want to come? What are you doing Saturday morning? We're going to have donuts and talk about porn addiction. Yeah. You know, and they're like, well, that's why oh, we, we did campfires. And we said we were going to talk about it. And men showed up. Well, we know that a, an overwhelming percentage of men, and, and some women too, are dealing with lust, oh, sure. pornography. I mean, it's mm-hmm. not just men, it's not it, just an it's issue. It's idolatry. For men. It's it idolatry. Is, it is idolatry. That's what we're going to talk about in just a little bit. We've got to get back to finish up our thoughts on. Um, Christians and voting, please, friends, there's so many good websites you can go to to get voter information, and don't go... Anyway, let me just give you a couple of them. I think it's iVoter. Um, if you want information, we posted it, at our, again, on our Stand Up For The Truth Facebook page, and you're going to have to go check it out because people need to know, if you don't know by now biblical values, you need to know the drastic contrast in the two-party platforms. Forget Trump and Biden. Look at the two-party platforms. Where do they stand on the sanctity of human life? Where do they stand on redefining marriage? Where do they stand on um, um, gender identity? Where do they stand on religious liberty, uh, conscience rights and health care, God in government, the Supreme Court, and on and on and on. Let's see. Um, biblical. It's Biblicalvoter.com is one. Biblical voter.com is one of the many good sites jonathanproject.org if your church is willing to have people registered you know you can do that legally as a church right free speech you should get christians registered to vote if they're not registered it's a concerning thing but there are many good websites you can send people to to get them information uh wisconsin family council is one so this thing that came up in the this subject the other night that trump brought up there have been ballots found in at least two or three different states now in the trash. In Wisconsin, they were in a ditch, I believe in Appleton. And in Wisconsin, here's a, a, a news article from September 24. Ballots in Pennsylvania were found in the trash. They were all votes for Trump. These stories are out there. The FBI is investigating, and they found mail-in ballots discarded. And apparently, these were ballots cast for President Trump. Um, White House Press Secretary Kaylee McEnany said, McEnany, uh, she, she talked about this and said 100% of them, in this case, were cast for Trump. How does that happen, friends? How does that happen without a human being manipulating this mail-in process? Come on now. There's stories out there. Now, back to the debate. Joe Biden denied this. When President Trump brought it up, Biden was condescending with that smirk and said, oh, God, that's a lie. Uninformed people are going to go, yeah, come on. You're not going to find ballots in in, in a dumpster or in the trash, especially ballots that are all cast for President Trump. Come on. And and it really, if you look at... I think it's important for the listeners to know the difference between um, unsolicited ballots that are being sent and the normal normal process of absence like the absentee, absentee ballot. ballot. So I do absentee ballot. I'm going to I'm not going to mail it in. I'm going to walk it in. I'm going to walk it yep. in and set it there. But what states are trying to do and what they are actually doing is they are sending unsolicited ballots yep. to everyone. Yes. And that that is that if you can't see that as ripe with the potential fraud, if we're seeing if we're seeing absentee ballots being manipulated, mm-hmm. 
the amount of fraud that will occur with unsolicited ballots. So just know this is going on. It's voter fraud. It's been happening since who knows, decades and decades and decades. It happens in every election, some states more than others, but especially the swing states we should be concerned about because the, the margin of error in swing states is much, much uh, thinner, smaller. Um, so we don't need to say anything else about that, but just understand that the Democrats, the left, the progressives are doing this. They're trying to get I get text messages. I get emails. I get things on my social media. Hey, get your ballot now. Mail in your ballot. I get all these offers. There is a reason there's millions of dollars into this effort to get people to mail in their ballots. And part of it might be the chaos of the election results won't come in that night. We might not know who the president is until December. We just have to be ready for this, friends. But if you can walk into your polling place, please walk in. All right, Crash, we're going to wrap this up. You sent me a link, and thank you for finding this on Facebook. It's a pastor in Wisconsin up north in Antigo. His name is Kellen Lewis, and he put something out I thought was really well written and very unbiased, very uh, biblical. Um, He doesn't go as far as I would go in, in many ways, just hammering home Uh, Some of these ideas, especially on social issues and some of the, quote, political issues we talk about. But I just want to read what he shared, and thank you for sending this to me, so it's Crash's fault. He said, evangelicals, we are being manipulated. The polling data must not be as good for Biden as it appears because there is a concerted effort to flip evangelical voters um, from the Trump camp on superficially evangelical reasoning. And he goes on, they may not even want you to vote for Biden. Just stay home. I've seen many articles on the topic lately. If you are evangelical, so have you. Let's state the obvious. Somebody is coordinating that and probably paying for it. We are being manipulated. He says, as an evangelical, I won't tell you who who to vote for, Trump or Biden. Your vote is between you and God. But I resent seeing our faith being used to manipulate our votes. This is an attempt to take the most important thing in your life and leverage it for their political power. And for the record, most of the news organizations, quote, looking out for you or giving evangelicals a voice, don't often care about evangelicals and certainly don't want to give us a voice unless we're saying something those organizations agree with. Our primary message about Jesus Christ the perfect Son of God dying for our sins and rising again is not what they want to hear, let alone publish. So these pieces are part of an illusion of diversity and inclusion. As long as your faith in Christ is secondary and your agreement with them that Trump is bad is primary. A couple of weeks ago, remember we did a podcast on uh, Orange Man Bad? Um, that's the, the friction going on right now. In other words, he said, he keeps, he keeps going, evangelicals bashing Trump in these pieces, including uh, outlets like the Atlantic, the New York Times, Washington Post, and many others. There are some evangelicals writing these pieces. He said, that's what the media, what those media organizations might consider useful idiots. Further, these same organizations often make arguments that Christians should not force their beliefs on the rest of society. They don't want Christian influence in discussion of sexual ethics. They don't want Christian influence in discussion of family values. They don't want Christian influence in discussion of gender. They don't want Christian influence in discussion of abortion. 
They don't want Christian influence and discussion of euthanasia. We are likely about to see that they don't want Christian influence in the legal sphere, particularly at the Supreme Court. By the way, that's my article and video today coming out at freedomproject.com. He continues, yet now they're hypocritically using Christian faith to force their own agenda on the country. He says, what is particularly disappointing is that many of my brothers and sisters who usually think Christians should stay out of politics or not use religious reasoning in political discourse are being sucked into this particular trap at this time. Make no mistake, the goal of these pieces is for evangelical Christians to be less influential. Why would that be? Historically, the Republican Party has gotten overwhelming evangelical support for its support of life at all stages. That is a righteous cause, period. Evangelicals has, have often tolerated other elements of the Republican platform and occasionally had to plug their nose and vote for the less than savory Republican candidate, but it has all been for the greater good of ending an egregious evil that has seen unborn humans who are made in the image of God be destroyed by the millions. The, quote, right to abortion is not codified in our founding documents. It was not secured by legislative action. It was forced on us by a Supreme Court acting out of place as a legislative body. I'm going to pause right there and say, Amen, boldface, capital letters, five exclamation points to admit that it overstepped its authority when it illegitimately, illegitimately fabricated a woman's right to murder, right to abortion. But now these news organizations want you to switch your vote or at least stay home and not vote for Trump. He continues, the reasoning, rather than transparently in other articles, is that we are perhaps on the verge of dealing a death blow to abortion rights through a solidly conservative Supreme Court. Abortion is certainly the greatest human rights disaster in the history of our country. Nothing in American history has been as detrimental, more completely and unjustly, to more people than the complete murder of millions of entirely innocent lives in their absolute infancy. Yes, this is even worse than slavery in both numbers of lives and the severity of the impact. A slave is not deprived of breath like an aborted baby. And now that the ordinary means of the Supreme Court nominations and decisions appears primed to be able to end abortion, the Democrat playbook is to do whatever is necessary. Court packing, creating new liberal states to flip the Senate, etc. to somehow, some way, continue the murders. You can find plenty of writing on that topic from progressive writers and democratic strategists. And he goes on, and, and I'm going to wrap this up in a minute and get uh, Crash's input and Josh's input on this. You guys know where I stand already. This is a big amen here. He said, this is not a conspiracy theory or a conservative conspiracy theory. All it takes for a dramatic restructuring of our government along those lines with the explicit purpose of protecting, quote, abortion rights, is a Democratic president and a 50-50 split in the Senate with Kamala Harris casting the deciding votes. That is exactly why they are so desperate for evangelicals to be less influential at this particular moment in history. The more of us that stay home, 
the better their chances at getting the presidency and the Senate. Let's admit that we are being manipulated and recognize why. I would encourage you to spend less time on the, quote, news being manipulated and to encourage you to spend more time in the Word of God and prayer, seeking how to best be salt and light in our society at this time. There are certainly other issues beyond abortion that matter. As Christ followers, we should also stand up for the marginalized, the oppressed, the poor, the elderly, the disabled. As descendants of Adam and Eve, we should care for the earth, exercise dominion over it, and be fruitful with our lives. We should be good stewards of our finances, even on a national level. We should be in favor of truth and righteousness and justice and leaders who embody such values. Neither political party or presidential candidate checks all of the boxes of a Christian platform. So I see how some Christians end up on either side of this election. I would just hate to see you there because of media manipulation rather than a biblically and prayerfully informed conscience. And beyond that, may we value Christ and seek the coming of his kingdom far more zealously than we seek a four-year term for some human. That's Pastor Kellen Lewis, Antigo, Wisconsin. I got in touch with him last night and got permission to share this. Crash, thank you. I believe this hits a lot of nails on the head. Remember those friends we were talking about, the conservative Christians that are just looking at the debate and Trump's character? Those are the ones that are saying, well, either I'm not going to vote or go third party. I know we only have a minute, but your quick thoughts on what we just shared. Just all I can say is praise God. He's, he's leading a flock. I'm glad. Praise yes. God. He's a shepherd. And he's a young and pastor, too. Yes, he is. He's, uh, he's, uh, he's what I call one of my favorite millennial pastors. <laughs> and praise God. I you know, tend to be concerned about millennials. But when you hear this, I'm going to get your take on this when we come back, Josh, and talk about Ephesians 5 Ministries. Josh Paris is in studio today. Crash Connell. I'm David Fiorazzo. Thank you so much for listening, for sharing our podcasts. And we'll talk a whole lot more about these, some of these issues when we come back on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it right here. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. All right, in studio, Josh Priest with Ephesians 5 Ministries. We're going to now uh, get his thoughts on what we just shared. And, and, and thank God for pastors of any age who are speaking that clearly to their congregations. And by the way, I highly encourage you, Christian, if you have any doubts or if your friends or family members do who are Christians about not voting, about whether they should vote, please go to StandUpForTheTruth.com and listen to Paul Blair from Tuesday, our podcast titled America at a Critical Crossroads for Faith and Freedom. Pastor Paul Blair from Edmond, Oklahoma. Go, please, listen to and share that podcast with Paul Blair on Tuesday on Stand Up For The Truth. Josh, your thoughts on some of the great, I think, excellent points that that young pastor made. Yeah, absolutely. I think that um, we cannot sleep as Christians when it comes to voting. We need to get out, and we do need to vote. I can say for myself personally that it's important that this also doesn't become an idol for myself that it's very easy to something that's important. Any time we replace and we take our eyes fixed off of Jesus Christ and his sovereignty, it can become an idol mm. in our lives. And so while, yes, it is important to vote, to know there is such a peace to know that our God is sovereign. And that doesn't mean that we are 
we should abstain from our responsibility at all. We should absolutely go and vote, but keep your eyes fixed on Christ. Keep, Amen. You know, I loved what he said at the end. Keep your keep in the word. Yep. Be filled with his truth because we are we're gonna be filled with lies when it comes to looking at politics in the media. By the way, I have that as a document on my computer because I printed it out to read it on the air last segment. So if you want a copy of that, email david at q90fm.com or comments at standupforthetruth.com. Uh, one more thought, uh, Steve Dace. I mean, he's go to Steve Dace. If you don't follow him on Facebook and on and the Steve Dace show, D-E-A-C-E. He, he's just got a lot of commentary. Um, he's, he's a Christian. He's got a radio show, national radio show and program. He said, if Joe Biden wins the election, this will be America's first power of attorney presidency. He and his dementia obviously are not going to be calling the shots. So then take a long look at the current state of the Democrat Party and ask yourself, who will really be running the show if Joe Biden is elected? And are you as a Christian comfortable with that? That's a sobering thought right there. So now I got this book, Josh, um, and you, we, we had this conversation about addictions. It is idolatry, and I want you to clarify that in a minute. But there's a lot of things people go through, different kinds of addictions, and my, my goodness, there's so, alcohol, pornography, romance, dating, prescriptions, medications, illegal drugs, cannabis, tobacco, food, sex, Computers, internet, social media, video games, digital media, television, working. Some people can be addicted to work, caffeine, exercise, achievement, spiritual obsession, pain, cutting, shopping, sleep, plastic surgery. There's people addicted to that. Codependence, people-pleasing, rage, sports, and others. So there's a lot of things. So would all these possibly fall under a category of idolatry? I do. If you look at the definition of addiction, um, this is just one definition, is the fact or condition of being addicted to a particular substance, thing, or activity. That's pretty broad. So let's look substance, at Substance, thing, or, or activity. activity. Which is everything. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Something. So, so then you look at idolatry, right? And idolatry is really anything that we place on the throne of our hearts where God belongs. So the first mm. question I always start with is, why are we here? We're here to glorify God. As Christians, that, yes. That is, that is why we are here. And so anytime you look at the object of that, anytime we bring the object from who he is onto who we are, right, and the focus shifts back to ourselves, then we get into an idolatry situation, right? So we start to, um, and that, that can be anything from power to money to sex. Um, and that's why I love going through the study that we do because it focuses in on the root of idolatry, which is our sinful flesh and condition. Yes. And the principles of how you deal with that through God's word is the same, whether it is, whether it is sports, sex. Um, I, was, I was at a men's retreat this weekend. And and some people might think this is really trivial, but it's it really is a big thing. We we had three men who had just got out of um, a, a session, and we were talking, and we all felt convicted by the Holy Spirit of something. And we were standing around talking, and the first guy said, "You know what? I have this game on my phone, and it's an idol mm. that I'm spending time playing this game instead of focusing in on the Word of God." And my family and the other two of us, me included, 
I looked at him and said, me too. And the Holy Spirit said, we need to pull out our phones and we need to delete that and we need to hold each other accountable that we will never download that again, right? That that can sound really simple. No, but that's a time. But it's an idol yep. and it's sin. Yep. Yep. Anything that would take the place of God or spending time with God mm-hmm. or prayer, spiritual things, and the reason we are here as human beings, anything that would take away from that if we're focusing on other things, I mean, even a person, we could a family member, mm-hmm. um, we could make idols out of so many different things. Go on. Yeah, and, and when you look at addiction, unfortunately, the way that we've, we talk about that in our society is a sense of somebody who does not have control, right? We look at addiction as it is, victim. is we're a victims victim if we're an, of our circumstance. Yes. I'm a victim of, um, and it's easy to use alcohol, but I'll just, I'm going to use pornography, right? I'm okay. a victim of watching pornography because I just can't stop doing it. And that takes the control and the responsibility off of us and our relationship and our sin, right? And turns us, it, instead of focusing on who he is, we start to focus in on ourselves. Well, you went through that. You shared your testimony mm-hmm. last time you were here with us, I think last year. Um, and you went through a hard time. Where, was there a time when you felt like you were a victim or were, were you believing that? Absolutely. Um, that this is just something that I can't overcome. I would minimize it as well to say this is just a this is this is just a small problem that I have and it doesn't impact my whole life. Mm. Um, and and you go through that and it's because my my focus was in on me and my selfish desires. What we want, mm-hmm. oftentimes that's what it comes down to. Um, some other points. I you know what? Instead of going to the book because there's so much in there. Um, let me just go to a couple scriptures that you handed me before we started today. Um, one of them, John fourteen twenty one says, Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. So obedience is a big factor. When we disobey God, his commandments, when we do not keep the commandments, when we get off into other things, that's when we can find ourselves falling into sin. It is. And I just I think this is this is one of the most beautiful poetic verses that I can hear Jesus saying, which is, Whoever has my commandments and keep them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I will love him and manifest myself mm. in him. So that's very it's very law and gospel all into to one verse. He did say in another place, clearly, um, probably in the same gospel, if not a couple others, he said, um, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Very simply, Mm -hmm. he said that. So do we love God with all our heart, soul, mind, our strength? Do we love him first above everything else? As uh, Matthew 6, 33, Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. The rest of life's desires, cares, needs, whatever that might be, they will be added once we seek him first. Mm. One more for people struggling with temptation, then we can get your thoughts on that. We've got about six minutes left. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, um, no temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape 
that you may be able to endure it. Yeah, we could take 20 minutes to unpack this. I know. But yeah. I will tell you, one of the things that um, I was not hiding the Word of God in my heart. And as if you think about this, there's as men, we are going to be out in society, right? And we are going to experience things that we can't control that come into our eyes. And you're not going to have time, David, to go and say, oh, that, that verse, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, when I have temptation staring me in the face, and if I engage in that, so that's, we talk about that. What's the difference between temptation and sin? Temptation might be you get put into a situation, so you're walking down the street and you see something, right? That is where temptation is right there. As soon as you start to engage you're with just it. Saying, what are you going to do with that? Correct. That's where sin is born. If we don't have the word of God in our heart, and this is something that has just been so convicting to me, is that these, I have these verses memorized, and I need to start adding more and more of that in to protect. You know, when we look at um, the, when we go through what God has given us as far as our, um, for spiritual warfare, the sword of the spirit is the what? Weapon. It's our offensive it's, it weapon. It is our offensive yeah. weapon. It's the word of God. And if you don't have that, can you imagine going into to battle without a gun? You know, you think of, I think of military. And yeah, I, have a that, I have a shield and I have a helmet, but yeah, I don't have any weapon. Nothing, any, nothing to fight with. That's right. And so the fact that I, I love that it says there is no temptation out there that can overtake you that nobody's experienced before. Mm. Right? So it's common. Yep. Common to man. Yes. And the in the thing, church, in the church, these these... Temptations are incredibly common. We all are confronted at times with temptations we ought not to act on. Yeah. All of us have may even, maybe even desires or temptations. Acting on it is the disobedience, the sin. Well, and I think that's why the church sometimes doesn't engage in this, because, it's on, because there is so much um, guilt that gets put around hmm. sexual sin. I'll say the secrecy of sexual sin. The in, secrecy, in the, in the yeah. worldly stigma of it, that it's, you know, different than other sins that we have. And so as men leading the church, we, we, uh, we, we aren't dealing with that, even personally. And so we don't want to deal with it corporately. So you referred to Psalm 119.11 earlier, which says, mm -hmm. Thy word... David was praying, thy word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Meaning, God, I'm hiding your word. I'm meditating on your word day and night. I'm hiding it in my heart so that I might not sin. You said earlier, if it's not there in that moment of temptation, you know, we might act on that temptation before bringing up that word. It's, you know what I mean? So um, this you say also from Ephesians. Now, this is Ephesians 5 ministry, what we're talking about. Um, in Ephesians 4, you say we have a heart issue and a hard heart. It is a heart issue. That's the, the whole foundation of sin. It's, it's to do with the human heart. Yeah, it, it's in a, I call it a, it, this sounds weird to call it a <laughs> secondary sin, right? But there's something mm. deeper that's existing with our relationship with God. Mm. We have a hard heart because we have really lost our awestruck wonder of who he is. That's the first thing if you look at in Romans and the spiral of degradation is, we, have, we lose that awestruck wonder of who he is and where we fit in that equation. And I think one of the things that I do want to get to is <clears throat> the way up is down. And I'm just going to read this quickly from the book. 
um, is, and this is from The Altar of Sexual Idolatry by Stephen Gallagher, genuine humility is a fruit of the spirit that comes from true brokenness, the breaking down process of self, the more the old nature that remains in a believer, the less room there is for Christ or his attributes. Mm. And so we think, you know, from the American dream itself that we can pull ourselves up and the opposite is when we, when we let God enter us, the way to get closer to him is to be humble and to be broken before him and realize the need and the love that he has through the cross of what he's done. Amen. Josh Paris, thank you for sitting in with us today. Um, it, it, kind of a disjointed podcast at times because we didn't get a chance to talk about the debates Tuesday night, but we definitely want to share with people that this starts on Saturday, Ephesians 5 Ministry, Victory Over Sexual Idolatry, a study, classes for men. If you don't make it this Saturday, there's a week uh, grace period. You can still Correct. register next week. Go ahead. And one thing, men, if you're listening to this and you struggle with uh, self-sex, you struggle with lustful thoughts, please, I'm praying for the Holy Spirit to grab your heart and realize that you don't have to live like this. And he desires to have a different um, different way that we walk with him. And so reach out, EPH5, the number 5min.com is a great place to start. Thank you. We've got that at q90fm.com slash calendar as well. Oh, so much to get to, so little time. But when we come back, we'll let you know we've got a great guest tomorrow on Stand Up For The Truth. Keep it here. Stand Up For The Truth, a ministry of Lakeshore Communications Incorporated. Keep the discussion going on social media. Stand Up WI on Facebook and Twitter. Now we wrap up today's Stand Up For The Truth. Tomorrow, excited to have Pastor William Cook. From Virginia, he's part of the Virginia Black Robe Regiment. And look up Dan Fisher's podcast last week at StandUpForTheTruth.com if you want a little background on the Black Robe Regiment in the history of America. Pastor William Cook tomorrow, our guest. Thank you for tuning in. As always, God bless you and keep speaking the truth about things that matter.